0: chapter two of joshua by george ebers this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two by the second prophet of amon who acted as the representative of the aged and feeble chief prophet and high priest Rui, went into the holy of holies the throng of inferior servants of the divinity pursued their various duties and the frenzied mob rushed through the streets of the city toward the distant hebrew quarter as the flood pouring into the valley sweeps everything before it the people rushing to seek vengeance forced every one they met to join them no egyptian from whom death had snatched a loved one failed to follow the swelling torrent which increased till hundreds became thousands men women and children freedmen and slaves winged by the ardent longing to bring death and destruction on the hated hebrews darted to the remote quarter where they dwelled how the workmen had grasped the hatchet the housewife and axe they themselves scarcely knew they were dashing forward to deal death and ruin and had had no occasion to search for weapons they had been close at hand The first to feel the weight of their vengeance must be none, an aged Hebrew, rich in herds, loved and esteemed, by many an Egyptian whom he had benefited, but when hate and revenge speak, gratitude shrinks timidly into the background. His property, like the houses and hovels of his people, was in the strangers' quarters, west of Tanis, and lay nearest the streets inhabited by the Egyptians themselves. Usually at this hour, herds of cattle and flocks of sheep were being watered or driven to pasture, and the great yard before his house was filled with cattle, servants of both sexes, carts, and agricultural implements. The owner usually overlooked the departure of the flocks and herds, and the mob had marked him and his family for the first victims of their fury. The swiftest of the avengers had now reached his extensive farm buildings, among them Horneck, captain of the archers, brother-in-law of the old astrologer. House and barns were brightly illumined by the first light of the young day. A stalwart smith kicked violently on the stout door, but the unbolted sides yielded so easily that he was forced to cling to the doorpost to save himself from falling. Others, horn-necked among them, pressed past him into the yard. What did this mean? had some new spell been displayed to attest the power of the hebrew leader messu who had brought such terrible plagues on the land and of his god the yard was absolutely empty the stalls contained a few dead cattle and sheep killed because they had been crippled in some way while a lame lamb limped off at the side of the mob the carts and wagons too had vanished the lowing bleeding throng which the priests had imagined to be the souls of the damned was the hebrew host departing by night from their old home with all their flocks under the guidance of moses the captain of the archers dropped his sword and a spectator might have believed that the sight was a pleasant surprise to him but his neighbor a clerk from the king's treasure-house gazed around the empty space with the disappointed air of a man who has been defrauded the flood of schemes and passions which had surged so high during the night ebbed under the clear light of day even the soldiers quickly awakened wrath had long since subsided into composure the populace might have wreaked their utmost fury on the other hebrews but not upon none whose son hosea had been his comrade in arms one of the most distinguished leaders in the army and an intimate family friend had he thought of him and foreseen that his father's dwelling would be first attacked he would never have headed the mob in their pursuit of vengeance nay he bitterly repented having forgotten the deliberate judgment which befitted his years while many of the throng began to plunder and destroy nun's deserted home men and women came to report that not a soul was to be found in any of the neighboring dwellings others told of cats cowering on the deserted hearthstones of slaughtered cattle and shattered furniture but at last the furious avengers dragged out a hebrew with his family and a half-witted gray-haired woman found hidden among some straw the crone amid imbecile laughter said her people had made themselves hoarse calling her but malayla was too wise to walk on and on as they meant to do besides her feet were too tender and she had not even a pair of shoes the man a frightfully ugly jew whom few of his own race would have pitied protested sometimes with a humility akin to fawning sometimes with the insolence which was a trait of his character that he had nothing to do with the god of lies in whose name the seducer moses had led away his people to ruin he himself his wife and his child had always been on friendly terms with the egyptians indeed many knew him He was a money-lender, and when the rest of his nation had set forth on their pilgrimage, he had concealed himself, hoping to pursue his dishonest calling and sustain no loss. Some of his debtors, however, were among the infuriated populace, though even without their presence, he was a doomed man. He was the first person on whom the excited mob could show that they were resolved upon revenge. Rushing upon him with savage yells, the lifeless bodies of the luckless wretch and his family were soon strewn over the ground. Nobody knew who had done this first bloody deed. Too many had dashed forward at once. Not a few others had remained in the houses and huts, also fell victims to the people's thirst for vengeance, though many had time to escape, and while streams of blood were flowing, axes were wielded, and walls and doors were battered down with beams and posts, to efface the abodes of the detested race from earth. The burning embers brought by some frantic women were extinguished and trampled out. The more prudent warned them of the peril that would menace their own homes and the whole city of Tanis, if the stranger's quarter should be fired. So the Hebrews' dwellings escaped the flames. But as the sun mounted higher, dense clouds of white dust shrouded the abodes they had forsaken, and where, only yesterday, thousands of people had possessed happy homes and numerous herds had quenched their thirst in fresh waters the glowing soil was covered with rubbish and stone shattered beams and broken woodwork dogs and cats left behind by their owners wandered among the ruins and were joined by women and children who lived in the beggar's hovels on the edge of the necropolis close by and now holding their hands over their mouths searched amid the stifling dust and rubbish for any household utensil or food which might have been left by the fugitives and overlooked by the mob during the afternoon by the second prophet of amon was carried past the ruined quarter he did not come to gloat over the spectacle of destruction it was his nearest way from the necropolis to his home yet a satisfied smile hovered around his stern mouth as he noticed how thoroughly the people had performed their work His own purpose, it is true, had not been fulfilled. The leader of the fugitives had escaped their vengeance. But hate, though never sated, can yet be gratified. Even the smallest pangs of an enemy are a satisfaction, and the priest had just come from the grieving Pharaoh. He had not succeeded in releasing him entirely from the bonds of the Hebrew magician, but he had loosened them the resolute ambitious man by no means want to hold converse with him had repeated over and over again while sitting alone in the sanctuary reflecting on what had occurred and what yet remained to be done these little words and the words were bless me too pharaoh had uttered them and the entreaty had been addressed neither to old Rui, the chief priest nor to himself the only persons who could possess the privilege of blessing the monarch nay but to the most atrocious wretch that breathed to the foreigner the hebrew messu whom he hated more than any other man on earth bless me too the pious entreaty which wells so trustingly from the human heart in the hour of anguish had pierced his soul like a dagger it had seemed as if such a petition uttered by the royal lips to such a man had broken the crozier in the hand of the whole body of egyptian priests stripped the panther skin from their shoulders and branded with shame the whole people whom he loved he knew full well that moses was one of the wisest sages who had ever graduated from the egyptian schools knew that pharaoh was completely under the thrall of this man who had grown up in the royal household and been a friend of his father rameses the great he had seen the monarch pardon deeds committed by moses which would have cost the life of any other mortal though he were the highest noble in the land and what must the Hebrew be to Pharaoh, the sun-god incarnate, on the throne of the world, when standing by the deathbed of his own son, he could yield to the impulse to uplift his hands to him and cry, Bless me too. He had told himself all these things, maturely considered them, yet he would not yield to the might of the strangers. The destruction of this man and all his race was in his eyes the holiest, most urgent duty, to accomplish which he would not shrink even from assailing the throne. Nay, in his eyes, Pharaoh Menapheta's shameful entreaty, bless me too, had deprived him of all the rights of sovereignty. Moses had murdered Pharaoh's firstborn son, but he and the aged chief priests of Ammon held the wheel or woe of the dead prince's soul in their hands, a weapon sharp and strong, for he knew the monarch's weak and facilitating heart if the high priest of amon the only man whose authority surpassed his own did not thwart him by some of the unaccountable whims of age it would be the merest trifle to force pharaoh to yield but any concession made to-day would be withdrawn to-morrow should the hebrews succeed in coming between the irresolute monarch and his egyptian advisers this very day the unworthy son of the great rameses had covered his face and trembled like a timid fawn at the bare mention of the sorcerer's name and to-morrow he might curse him and pronounce a death sentence upon him perhaps he might be induced to do this and on the following one he would recall him and again sue for his blessing down with such monarchs let the feeble reed on the throne be hurled into the dust already he had chosen a successor from among the princes of the blood and when the time was ripe, right, when Rui, the high priest of amon had passed the limits of life decreed by the gods to mortals and closed his eyes in death he by would occupy his place a new life for egypt and moses and his race would commence to perish while the prophet was absorbed in these reflections a pair of ravens fluttered around his head and croaking loudly alighted on the dusty ruins of one of the shattered houses he involuntarily glanced around him, and noted that they had perched on the corpse of a murdered Hebrew, lying half-concealed amid the rubbish. A smile which the priests of lower rank, who surrounded his litter, knew not how to interpret, flitted over his shrewd, defiant countenance. End of chapter 2